The Sisters Grimm podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen at your own discretion. Blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. The most notorious serial killer in the nation, the Light Stalker. The Boston Strangler. The Son of Sam. The infamous Zodiac Killer. What's your favorite scary movie? Was that one two texts I sent you this morning? What you woke up to? The uh, <laughs> yeah. What, the, uh, the John Wayne Gacy, or no, John Wayne Spacey, yeah, and, and then, John Wayne William H. Macy Gacy. That one was my favorite for <laughs> sure. And then William yeah. H. Macy Gacy, William H. Macy, William, John Wayne William H. Macy Gacy. <laughs> I've never laughed so hard by myself Wacy, Wacy. in my car. <laughs> I've never laughed so hard as last week on the episode when you said John Wacy, John Wacy, <laughs> or maybe it was before that. Who knows? It's but uh, welcome to the Sisters Grand Podcast. Are we on episode 36 Coming at now? Ya. Yep, 36. Dom, y'all. Dom. Yep. This eight. is technically part two. Part two of wrongful convictions. Correct. Last week we talked about Ryan Ferguson. Um, well, we talked about Kent Heitholt, we talked about Charles Erickson, and we talked about Ryan Ferguson. But upon listening to it, I realized that most of the information I got and all of the other things, the narrative is usually told from... One Ryan. person's point of view, right. It's all about mm-hmm. Ryan, and it's all about, like, what he was doing, and, because, uh, like, Ryan is out. I mean, in that and- story, he definitely, yeah, he's the one who's out, and also he's the only one who the entire time was, like, I'm... Well, so was... Well, I mean, but that's because they... I mean, once Chuck realized that he was... Or that he realized that no, he was No, but that's just why he, I think, is more... Uh, well, it's heroic cause, looking. No, it's because he's out. Well, Charles is still fighting. Charles... Is still in jail. So we all need to support him. So I realized that maybe we... Like, I don't want what we said regarding his substance problem to be misconstrued as us thinking, like, it was all his fault. Well, no. Because it wasn't. He literally didn't remember, and then they forced him to, because they were literally, like... They Ryan... didn't force him to. Yeah, they... they lied to him. Well, they're... well, yeah, they lied to him. Well, they, like, backed him into a corner, because well, yeah. they're like, Ryan's doing the same thing to you. So since the episodes come out, I watched not all of, but, like, the first half of the documentary and it freaked me out so much when he's like like in the interrogation room when the one guy just like starts pulling the chair up like really close yeah, to him uh-huh. i would be like back the fuck away from me yeah i that's when he starts getting really scared it's creepy because i was re-listening to the interview today and, there's and they a- don't do that as much to ryan ryan they no. don't like get in his face at all well, that's because they are they already knew what they could do. They already had it. They knew that they didn't it, really need him to. No. Well, I mean, it would have been not, they wanted him to. Oh, right. That's why they had to bring in good old Dal Mel, <laughs> Dallas Mallory. But like I said, Ryan's free and Charles is still fighting. You can go to his Facebook page, which is Facebook, and then uh, free Charles Erickson, and you can donate. Mm-hmm. 
um, you, like a one-time thing or like an ongoing monthly thing. And you can get a shirt, which helps donate as well, correct? Yeah, we got some shirts. You can also get some really cool earrings. Like it's ama- it's an amazing. So basically, I reached out to the Charles, er- the free Charles Erickson page, which is run by uh, Charles' mom, Marianne, mm-hmm. and she and I are best friends now. <laughs> I have talked more to Charles Erickson's mom in the past few days than I have my own mother. <laughs> but I feel like I never. But like I feel like. I mean, because um, <clears throat> it was the cutest thing ever, because she asked me how to use the podcast app. Isn't that cute? And it was sweet, and I just feel like I've gotten my fill of mom this week. Like, I <laughs> like helped him, Like I helped my mom get her phone ready. I've had my fill of being mom I've had week. my fill of a uh, mom. Of being the mom. Of mom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Marianne's great. She will respond to you. She is the sweetest woman yeah. in the entire world. She's, She's the one who's actually told me some of this stuff. Um, he has a website also called freecharleserickson.org. But she also told me some stuff, which I felt like, which is why she and I are best friends now. <laughs> is she coming to your birthday party next year? Um, yeah, and we're <clears> going, <throat> we've been invited. Is she going to be one of your bridesmaids? She's going to be my maid of honor. Fuck you. Sorry to Whatever, Ooh. as long as I don't have to plan anything, that's fine. Oh, sorry, Marianne took your spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly fine. <laughs> Tuesday's um, going to be mine. No, Tuesday's going to be my flower girl, no doubt. So, like I mentioned before, I just want to give a little more background about Charles, because mm-hmm. I feel like we talk mostly about Ryan, but th- it's yeah, very basic. Um, so I le- mentioned last week how smart he was, but he was actually super duper fucking smart and very good at marketing, so much so that he was on a team called DECA, kind of like how math people have their math leads mm-hmm. and like there's like debate and shit like that. Interesting. But DECA is like a collegiate That's problem. like big, rich high school clubs. <laughs> that's like... That's like not re- clubs that we had in our school. No. That's like you have to be really smart. Yeah. Um, and he was so good, he got a partial scholarship that's and he awesome. wanted to join the army, but then he decided to get his gen eds at a community college before transferring to the University of Missouri. Um, also realize that Columbia is like the town of two, like, like it's like a college town. Mm -hmm. So it's like a party town. Yeah. And how old was he when all of this, like when he, in 2001, when Kent died and the night he like that he was, that he was, yeah, uh, was, um, Halloween night, 2001. Yes. But But how old is he is my question. Oh, um, I'm sorry. He was 17. Okay. And so then he was 19. He's the same age as Ryan. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was while he was attending, he was living at home. He was trying to like earn money. He was working. He was trying to save up so he could get his own place mm-hmm. and was, you know, just like doing that college hustle that we Basically all know so what well. we're all doing in life. Yeah. And then got fucking arrested. But Ugh, in prison, it's just so terrifying to think that because people are always like, oh, I don't do anything wrong. There's no way I could get in trouble because I have had nightmares where I actually killed someone and like I always wake up right before I'm about to get caught. But that is the worst feel. I couldn't imagine that actually yeah. having that feel. I've had. Yeah. And not knowing and like just being so confused about it. Right. And not knowing anything. Yeah. Another thing I'd never known before was that um Charles had tried talking to Ryan, or, like, had talked to Ryan about it. So, Ryan wasn't completely just, like... Like, confused. Bombarded yeah. by, like, you know, like... When he was it wasn't, arrested. Yeah, taken. Like, it wasn't... Should have not have been new 
news to him. So uh, Charles in prison is a fucking badass. He's taking classes, trying to get himself a degree, and he's also teaching classes. And his mom was telling me that he also trains dogs. Like a... Like maybe, probably to be service animals. Like for other prisoners? No, for like, uh, it's probably a program for, no, for like people who are blind and people who need service animals. Not that I'm saying that I think Charles did this, but I don't know if I would want my animal to have been trained by a convicted murderer. What are they going to do? Teach the animal how to kill someone, Morgan? Dude, dogs are fucking smart. Dude. I found out on the newest episode of The Bachelor that there's dogs out there who are trained to sniff and find truffles. You can train... Have you not heard of pig? That's what pigs are for. Oh, is it? Have you never heard of that? No. Uh, You've never heard of that. Me and Tuesday were watching The Bachelor yesterday. Did you get my Snapchat of Tuesday? It was so into The Bachelor watching yeah, it. Yeah, you sent me a, like, Snapchat, and I think, like, Snapchat took it of you, because I don't think you realized you were taking it. It was like a Black Mirror situation. Oh, no, Holly, I did that one on purpose, because I forgot I did that to you. I'm so sorry. Because then no, I did a I weird was, one back, but I was I was so looking scared. at my Snapchat, Snapchat trophies, and I was like looking at ones that I have, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this would give me a trophy. Sending someone a video that where like I flipped the screen multiple times, oh, okay. and so I figured you wouldn't care. But did you get scared? I got, <laughs> yeah, you know me and my conspiracy. What did you theories? send back? I sent like um, I like closed it up really close on a piece of lint. I think that was on a blanket or towel. No, I closed up really close on my bathroom uh, rug. All right. So, also, Charles, there's um, this dude uh, who's one of the fellow inmates. He has prosthetic legs, and he's 71, and Charles helps him get around, and lately, obviously, it's been so fucking snowy, mm-hmm. and, like, he, tri- and he like, holds him up and, like, helps him from, like, slipping and falling. That's nice. So he's just, like, a really a good fucking dude. nice guy. And, a um, good dude in a really, really, really yeah. So definitely situation. go to those other those places. I said go yeah, to go to his website, Charles, Erickson. and also go to obviously Ryan Ferguson's websites and go to the Kent Heightholt uh, Facebook page. Yeah, go all of them and support all wrongful convictions. And now it is time for, for what this episode's the fuck about. And this episode is about the West Memphis Three, otherwise known as the murders. And Robin Hood Lane. On May 5th, 1993, three eight-year-old boys named Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers were reported missing by Christopher's adopted father, John Mark Byers, uh, a.k.a. Holly's new Oh my god, I wish I, I wish I was his best friend, too. Okay. Shh. I wish me, him, and Marianne could all hang out. You can't Sorry. only talk about John Mark Byers the whole time, because that's all the documentary Paradise Lost really covered. But do you blame them? No. Do you blame them? So these movies have a really good HBO documentary, three-part documentary that were Oscar-nominated, at least I know the third one was, called, uh, the first one's called Paradise Lost, The Murders of Robin Hood uh, Lane, the second one is Paradise Lost, Purgatory, Yeah. and the third one is Paradise Lost, Revelations, and then we also watched another documentary by... Uh, it was Peter Jackson. It was Peter Jackson, yeah. Because he wrote him a letter and he was like, signed Peter Jackson. Like, oh, hi, I'm Peter Jackson. You and then know? he just kept being in the documentaries being like, so. I know. Uh, it's, and it's like, are you not going to talk about Lord of the Rings at all? It's, well, why would he be like, oh, and by the way, I know these three boys are dead, but like. This I, would have never happened in Mordor. Yeah, but like also. I can't do a New Zealand accent. Yeah, we just, those, those were 100% British. 
Even yeah. if I tried doing Australian, we'd still fuck it up. Probably. Okay, so getting back to the story. Sorry, Kiwis. So John Mark Byers, uh, at around 7 p.m. that evening, reported the three boys missing. He was the first one to report it. He was the first on the scene? Basically. The boys were said to have last been seen around 6.30 that night, so just 30 minutes before they were reported missing, riding their bikes in the neighborhood of Robin Hood Hills towards, like, the woods. Uh, they were seen by neighbors as well as Steve Branch's stepfather, Terry Hobbs, who neighbors also saw talking to the boys right before they, like, took off. So this is, like, the makings of a Stephen King Pretty novel. much, dude. It's like three, like you said when we were watching it, it's like three... Little boys. Little, well, but who's the first, uh... Oh, the Stevie Branch, or which one? Who's who the always first wore... little boy that dies in It? What's his name again? Oh, oh yeah, no, they're literally all Georgies. Yeah, you said it's three, it's like three Georgies. Yeah, it's it's literally It, but three Georgies. Mm. Poor sweet yeah. babies. So friends and family started searching for the boys because legally you can't put out an actual search until they've been missing for like so long or something like that. Yeah, you guys Which can't is stupid. See. You guys can't see, but I'm doing the jerk off or maybe motion. That's, I think it's different for kids. So for adults, it has to be like 72 hours. For kids, I think it has to be like I think a you night do it right away. I don't Maybe know. Have the Amber well, Alert. Either way, the cops only did like a really limited search. But all of the family members and friends, they went out and they looked throughout the woods and they even went to the place where the bodies are later found. And they didn't see and them? they weren't there yet. Oh, snap. So, let that be known. So the next morning, a more extensive search started around 8 a.m., led by um, Crittenden County Search and Rescue personnel. It wasn't until about 2 p.m. that a juvenile parole officer named Steve Jones, who was just, I mean, he wasn't, like, on duty or anything. He was just out looking because everyone in the community was, like, out looking for these three little boys. Yeah. And so he spotted a small, like, black little boy's shoe floating in a creek that led to a major drainage canal in Robin Hood Hills. So they searched the ditch, like, where the uh, drainage would, like, happen and discovered the three bodies of the boys. All three boys had been stripped naked and they were hogtied with their own shoelaces. Yeah, it's so gross. It's disgusting. Um, Mark, or I'm sorry, not Mark Byers. Christopher Byers, Mark Byers' son, uh, had been sexually mutilated. His scrotum and penis had been removed. Christopher was the only boy who didn't die partially by drowning. He was just, he died from his injuries of being, like, beaten really hard. Really? But the other two Did boys... Did they have, like, skull fractures and stuff? Yeah. Oh. The other boys, however, were... Drowned. drowned. Okay. But also, their injuries killed them as well. Wait, but which one did the coroner say ultimately killed them? It can only be one or the other. No, it can be two. Because it said in the thing, both. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the boys were all second graders. They went to um, Weaver Elementary School together, and they were best friends. Mm, I bet they were so cute. Yeah. Just, like, riding around their little bikes, getting into they little... They were all um, little... Cub Scouts together, Aww. too. Charles was also a Cub Scout. Was he? Mm-hmm. That's nice. Those good old... Hey, uh, shout out to Ottawa, home of the Boy Scout Museum. Boy Scout has, like... I've just heard some really fucked up shit. Oh, there's fucked up shit about everything. If you would I've just to... heard the guy who created Boy Scouts did it so that he would have an excuse to hang out with little boys. Well, have you ever heard of Catholicism? All right, let's Anyways. continue. So, the police officers on the case felt the crime had cult-like overtones. Okay. Because of the ritualistic castration of the boy. 
Oh, So okay. they instantly started, like, looking into... They started, like, talking to people... Who knew about satanic rituals? Well, they rituals. started talking to, like, correction officers, like, from, like, correctional facilities, because I guess maybe they instantly thought it was going to be, like, a kid who did it. Okay. Because they started talking to, like, juvenile correction people, and they told them to look into a young 18-year-old by the name of Damien Eccles. Oh. Eccles, like a lot of young people in the 90s, was really into, like, rock music. He was really into Metallica. He was really into U2, which made Holly laugh really hard. Oh, just because I'm thinking, it's like, he's really into Slayer, he's really into Iron Maiden, he's really into Black Sabbath, and he loves U2. Oh my god, he's just like, uno, dos, tres, catorce. Shut the fuck up, Holly. <laughs> so anyway, he also wore a lot of black, which is like, okay, I only wear black pretty much exclusively. Yeah. So... On black we wear Wednesdays. Or on (laughs) Wednesdays. On black we wear Wednesdays. On black we wear Wednesdays. Um, So police knew about him because he had been previously arrested for vandalism and shoplifting, which is like... Who hasn't? We both have been arrested for for one of those things. Respectively. Respectively. (laughs) I've been... Yeah. Uh, They thought he was into occultism, so they questioned him on May 7th, which was literally the day after the bodies were found. So, immediately. So, when you were saying how, like, Ryan Ferguson and them didn't get questioned for, like, so long. Oh, yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah, they, like, didn't even, like, They knew who they wanted to pin this shit on. Yeah. Did they have any... Well, I mean, if he was in the juvenile detention system, I guess, maybe. I didn't know that about um, Damien. Mm Mm-hmm. And they probably just... Well, with the whole... I mean, you're going to probably get into it more, but just, like, the fact that... He wore black, and this is in Arkansas. Arkansas. So oh, yeah. The, I need to point out that this yeah. took place in Arkansas. This is Arkansas. in the Bible Belt, y'all. Yeah. People are hella Baptists. They go to church every single day, mm-hmm. multiple times a day. Yeah, when we used to stay with our Nana in Arkansas for summer, we would have to go to church, like, during the week. <laughs> one time... I had a lot of, like, existential crises one time, like, in church services. One time you were... No, it was, like, Sunday night, and you were on the phone with Mom and Dad, and you're like... And they, like, asked you what you did, and you're like, went to church twice today. <laughs> <laughs> and you were maybe five. I was like... I hate this. You're like, I am at... Because ch- it was always to so- church. Oh, yeah, I said, went, went to, to church, church twice today. Twice today. Once in the morning, once at night. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you gotta go to so much church? <sighs> it's too much church, I just guys. remember them always saying I had a weird accent. Like, when we'd have to go to Sunday school, and I'd be like, you have a weird, weird accent. I talk how they talk on TV. Seriously. And they always said that... Illinois, and I was like, "How are you not familiar with the um, silent so- S with thing? the silent S when your state is Arkansas? You dumb, 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 dumbs. <laughs> <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumbs is right. Dumb, dumb, as dumb, we dumb. will get into a little more in the story. So Damien takes a polygraph test, and in that he denies any involvement in the murders, but his chart indicates deception. Which he was nervous. Those just happen. Not... Plus, he's eighteen years fucking old. And he's nervous. Who isn't? Whose emotions aren't? Polygraph tests aren't even admissible yeah. in court. No, exactly. They're bullshit. I'm just pointing it out that it happened. Yeah. So, like, psychopaths and sociopaths can pass them, like, with flying colors because they don't feel anxiety. Tuesday is... Um, Being really annoying. Tuesday's like, um, I actually do think the polygraphs are worth it. Come on, Dumbo. 
And we're back. So like I said, he took the polygraph test and it indicated that he might be lying. On May 9th, during a formal interview by Detective Bryn Ridge, Eccles mentioned that one of the boys had wounds to his genitals. Because of his knowledge of this, they instantly was like, okay, well, you're guilty. How would you know about that? Huh. Yeah. But didn't they tell him that already? I'll get into it. Okay. So on June 3rd, the police interrogated a young man, age 17, named Jesse Miss Kelly. Miss Kelly um, was tested as only a 72 IQ, which is mental. Uh, so it, he was mentally challenged. Yeah. And even though he was a minor at the time, like I said, he was 17, he was questioned without a parent and without a lawyer um, because they wanted, they, they were telling him basically that they wanted him to have information on the case because they wanted him to get the, whatever the like reward was at the time for like any information on the killer. Oh, they were like, don't you want fuck. that? Aren't you thinking of, cause I guess they picked him up from his house and his dad, who we love, who has made Morgan cry. He has. He was like, yeah, you can go with them. Like, cause he seems like a really great man, but he also doesn't seem like the brightest, which is fine. Which is fine. But like, so he was just like, cause they were like, Hey, I guess they were talking to him about like how he wanted to like get a new car. And so they were like using that as like leverage. They were like, you want to be able to tell us something so you can get that money. Right. Cause you want to get that new car. Right. What a fucking cocksucker. Yeah. And so he also probably felt comfortable because he went with them, like with his dad being like, yeah, it's fine. Go. Miss Kelly was interrogated for roughly 12 hours. That's so long. An entire. God bless you. Yeah, that was, like, weird. I held it in. An entire day of questioning. But only the last 45 minutes of the interrogation was recorded. Oh, God. This was the recording that they played during all three trials. Fuck. And we're going to play that right now. When you got with with the boys and with Jason and Matt, when you three were in the woods and then the little boys come up, It's a real miscarriage of justice. So Miss Kelly claimed that he watched, in this recording that is, claimed that he watched Damien Eccles and another boy, 16, this kid was only 16, his name was Jason Baldwin, he said he watched them attack the boys and murder them. He said he basically only witnessed, he didn't actually help killing any of them, but he did say that... um, One of them ran away, right? Yeah, I I think it was 
it was Michael Moore, like, ran away, and he mm. said that he, like, caught him. Wasn't he the Didn't happen. Boy Scout one? He was the, like, one who always wore his, like, Boy Scout uniform, and, like, in the school picture that they always show of the three boys, he's wearing, like, his cubbies. He's the Mike from Stranger Things. He's really freaking cute. And they also said he was, like, the leader of the group. Yeah, he's the Mike. He's yeah, the... he's very cute. Aww. So, like I said, he said that he watched him attack the boys. He said he watched... Um, Damien beat them. He said he watched him um, cut the penis off. He told them how he did it. All this stuff. He also says that he watched... He says, like, then they all started, like, screwing, which was basically him saying that they were, like, raping the boys. Okay. So, with his recanting, he said that he was intimidated by the police. They were scaring him. They were threatening him. And they were coercing him into saying most of his, like, you can tell, like, when he's talking, like, at first when they ask, like, so when did this, like, all happen? He was like, like, 12. And they were like, 12? And he's like, yeah. And they were like, don't you mean later? And he was like, like, one? And they were like, no, you said it was later. And he's like, like, three? And they're like, no. They're didn't like- you say it was dark outside? And he was like, Yeah. Because he uh, immediately says 12 when all six boys were in school that day. That is also to be noted. All six. So the little boys and the three boys. Were in school that... I thought it was a Sunday. Or actually, and that's not true because Damien Eccles was no longer in school. But no, it wasn't a Sunday. It oh, was a Monday. I just remember someone from the... Like in the documentary being like, better get on to church. And then being That's because like, they go to church every day. Oh, right, right, But it right. was a school day. Oh, right, it was just nighttime church time. Yeah, nighttime church oh, time. Oh, right, it's that Wednesday night church time. Yeah. So, something weird that happened on the day that the boys' bodies were found, but this is... This happened before the bodies were found. Okay. So, just when they were missing. Um, a woman by the name of Vicki Hutchinson was being interrogated by a polygraph exam, which they did a lot in Arkansas. They, too much. Yeah. It's almost like they thought it was a good idea. Uh, but, uh, she was having this exam done by Detective Don Bray to determine whether or not she had stolen money from her employer. So that's okay. what she was being questioned about. During this test, her son who was there, his name was Aaron, he used to play with the three boys... And he claimed that he saw a group of, like, Satanists. He claimed that he, like, saw the murders. And that it was a group of these Satanists, and they were speaking Spanish. And, like, okay. being all crazy. So he saw a group of Hispanic people? That's pretty much what Wearing black saying. shirts. That's pretty much what he was so saying. So he saw some nice, wholesome Hispanic people. None of this happened. Let's just oh. get that straight. Okay. They, they they for some reason took this as like oh this has to be true and they tried to like use this but they he could ne- he he his story was constantly changing and they even did a police lineup and he couldn't pick out any well he didn't pick out any of the three boys and wasn't he wasn't he like eight he was pretty young I don't know his exact age but he was pretty young if yeah. he hung out with them yeah he was probably like eight or nine or something it'd be funny if he was like you're like no he was like in his 40s yeah. <laughs> so his statements were like super inconsistent but this like did like this was thrown out and wasn't allowed to be used in court but it did get leaked to the local press and that's kind of how like all the satanic shit like satanic panic started happening and kept growing well and growing no well when was this this was in the 90s 
I'm saying that's how, in this case, that started happening. Oh, the, oh how the satanic panic aspect of it started, started happening. Oh. In the case. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, Hutchison also claimed that she and Damien and Jesse had gone to a Wiccan meeting. Cute. In another town called Turl, Arkansas, and that Damien was bragging about killing the three boys. Okay. Uh, however, later on, Vicky claimed that she had implicated the two boys to avoid facing criminal charges against having stolen from someone. Oh. And the police, again, coerced her. They were like, hey, you won't get in trouble for this if you say that you were, that you saw him doing something or he told you something. Because like you said, if two people say that they saw you do it, you're probably going to go to jail. You're probably going to go to jail. And they were like threatening her saying like, we're going to take your kids away. If wow. you don't do this, like really fucked up shit. Don't do, don't fuck with a mom and her kid. Don't right. fuck with a parent and their kids. So I'm going to talk about Ugh. now all of the things in Jesse's confession that don't add up at all. Okay. To the storyline. Okay. Um, when he's recorded, he says that he watched Damien Eccles rape the boys, but medical examiners initially, the, I think the coroners thought that they had been raped because their anuses were dilated However, once they were actually, like, examined, they had had no, any kind of trauma to their butts, none of them, and your butt just apparently dilates when you die. Yeah, that's, like, how you evacuate your bowels and everything, because everything just loosens up. Right, and, like, let's be real, if he, if they had been raped by an 18-year-old boy, you would have been able to tell. There would have been, I mean, there were cuts and stuff from, like, where his genitals had been removed Right. Well, you'd think, I mean, there would be, their anuses would have had... Something would have happened, yeah. They would have been able to tell if they'd been raped. Right. Um, Jesse also said that the boys had been tied up with brown rope, but we know that they were tied up with shoestrings. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Also, he said one of the boys was choked with a big stick. He said that, like, Damien, like, came around one of the boys with, like, a big stick and, like, choked him to death. But the medical examiners, again, said that none of this, like, like, adds up. Like, none of the boys had any indication of strangulation. Yeah. They were just drowned and, like, beaten super hard. Yeah. Um, He also said that the killings happened at noon, like I said, which obviously couldn't have happened because... they were in school. And they were all last seen at, like, 6.30 at night. Mm-hmm. So, they were being as Jesse's confession is the only evidence linking these three boys to this case, you'd think that there's no way they could be convicted, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. That's why this Wrong. episode's called Wrongful Convictions. Not, not Rightful Rightful Convictions. convictions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ted Bundy, Rightful Conviction. Super Rightful. Dahmer, Rightful, rightful Conviction. I mean, if you've got literal dick soup in your fridge, like... I mean, you got dick soup on the boiler like it's Sunday and you just got, like, (laughs) chili in the crock pot all day. Dick chili. Dick chili. Human chili is my favorite winter snack. I love it to eat it with my lover, Jack. Let's get back to the trial. (laughs) So the trial is now where we are. So Jesse was tried separately because he recanted. So. And didn't he take a plea deal? Uh, no. None of them took plea deals. Oh, right. Until later on. Right, However, sorry. I think because he recanted, his recanting was... Recanting looks really bad. And so that... I think th- because of that, they didn't want that to be on the other two boys. 
to okay. make them all look bad, I think, is well, something yeah. like what happened. Okay. It was probably um, probably Baldwin and Eccles' lawyers probably being like, something. uh, no thank you. Even though, in my personal opinion, of the original trials, Jesse Miss Kelly had the best attorney. Representation? I think so. And he stuck with him the whole time. And mm. he even, like, in all of the... I mean, because, like, these documentaries... I mean, this whole case pans from 1993 to fucking 2011. Yeah, that's a long ass time. And he was like, I promised his dad that I would help free his son because I know he's guilty. I know he's innocent. So yeah, so like I said, Miss Kelly was tried separately and first, and then Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin were tried together. So during Jesse's trial, Dr. Richard Offshe, an expert on false confessions and police coercion, and a professor of sociology at UC Berkeley, testified that Miss Kelly's interrogation was a classic example of police coercion. Also, as I said earlier, his confessions were spotty. They tended to be, like, super inconsistent. Yeah, he didn't give the same answer Nothing twice. was... Yeah. It was all, like, okay, whatever you say. Yeah, it was like... Yeah. yeah. Which is similar to... What happened with what Charles. What happened with Chuck, yeah. And, but in his was just... He, like, literally But his, because he literally know. didn't know. His was because he just... is slow. He just thought it was going to... Get him he out of there He he was going to get to leave. I know. That's the most fucked up thing And the, after ever. 11 and a half hours... Yeah. Yeah. Because it happened at the oh. very fucking end that they recorded. That's so fucked So nonetheless, up. on February 5th, 1994, Jesse Miss Kelly was convicted by a jury of one count of first degree murder um, towards the kid that he apparently had... Even though that didn't even happen... How he said that he went, he like chased one of the kids. So because he did that, that was he got first charged with murder. first degree, and then he got wow. two counts of second degree murder for the other two. That's so crazy. He the was way sentenced they do that. to life plus forty years in prison. Three weeks later, Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin went to trial. Jason did not testify, but Damien did. Um, and when he was on stand, they were mostly asking him questions about like, so what do you know about? Um, the satanic bible and uh, oh, you what's mean the guy's name? Anton LaVey? No, that's not An- who they were talking well, about. Well, Anton LaVey wrote the satanic bible. They were asking him about Aleister Crowley. Yes. Aleister Crowley is like uh he like took over. Like he's like he's just a he's a very big name amongst modern satanists. Well, don't you have some information about like satanic panic satanic in your panic? notes? Satanic panic? I do. So, modern satanic panic, well technically I would say it started in the 70s, because that was, like, back when those, like, when people would, uh, play their records backwards, and, like, right. the stair, that Stairway to Heaven song says something about, like, lick my devil butt or something <laughs> weird. I don't remember yeah. exactly. Well, I just feel like it, it, the way it works is smaller, more rural areas is where you're gonna find Actually, that, because You if, would think that, but this is not the case. Well, so, uh, yeah, okay. Well, listen, so, okay, so... It technically kind of started in 1980. This woman, Michelle, uh, wrote a book called Michelle Remembers, and it has now been discredited because it was blowfully wrong, but it was written by this woman, Michelle Smith, and her husband-slash-psychiatrist, which we all know how great that works out, and um, it linked child abuse with satanic rituals. Social workers would interview the children and would lead and coerce them. Again, mm-hmm. more coercion. And some children started making allegations of physical and sexual abuse by caregivers in the name of Satan. Also, like by their, their parents? No, usually, um, 
They would choose kids who didn't have parents. Well, no, they would use. It was usually like uh, at their school. So, uh, so against therapists and stuff. Yes. So one of the most infamous cases of satanic panic was the McMartin preschool case, which happened in 1983, and it happened in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and it cost the county of Los Angeles over 15 million dollars. It was the most expensive trial until it was... Beat by O.J., Beat by right? O.J. Yeah. Well, actually, until it was beat by the Menendez brothers, which was then beaten by O.J.'s. Right. It lasted seven years. 1,200 children claimed they had been molested. Oh, God. And there were no convictions made because all of it was garbage. Yeah. So, basically, these therapists would, like, talk to kids, and they will get them to have these false memories. They mm. also do it... Uh, they do it to adults too. You hypnotize someone and you plant false seed mm-hmm. and you can make people think horrible things. And kids say that like um, that babies were being eaten and oh that like God. kids were like floating around the room and right. that like everyone was having sex with each other. But a lot of it was uh, coerced out of them from their parents. Well, maybe we'll, pro- we'll probably do a satanic panic episode. I think Just, that would be fitting. The McMartin preschool case is pretty interesting and are uh the other uh things yeah and just like people get satanism wrong all the time yeah we we should definitely do a whole episode on it yeah so satanic panic and that satanic rituals where children animals are sacrificed is 100 percent bullshit yeah the satanic bible has its own version of like the 10 commandments only they have 11 rules of the earth into it yes and rule nine is do not harm little children. Yeah. And rule 10 is do not kill animals unless you are attacked or for your food. Right. So sacrificing children or animals is not allowed among modern So it's modern just do Satanists. not harm little children? They don't have do not harm anyone? They have specifically, no, they're actually, they say that if someone comes into your home and annoys you, you are allowed to be an asshole to them. I mean... Yeah. And they said that if you are in open territory and someone threatens you and you tell them to leave you alone and, and they, they don't, don't, you destroy them. I mean, I it is, let's, it is Satanism. Let's okay. be real though. I agree. I also kind of I'm agree. not saying I'm a Satanist, but I agree with every statement yeah. you just made. Right. And to be completely honest, the only religious text I've ever read about that talks about killing animals and children is in the Christian Bible. Correct. When literally God's like, hey, Abraham, so you know your son Isaac? Uh, could you just, like, murder him for me really quick yeah. just to prove how much you love me? And he's like, um, are you sure? And he's like, uh, nope, just kidding. Uh, you can kill this goat instead. Right. Yeah. It also tells a story where there's two couples arguing over a baby, and they take it to a king, and then the king is like, uh, alright, if you, uh, guys want this baby so much, like, I'll just cut it in half and you both can take yeah, one. Yeah, what the fuck, Yeah, Christians. and then the other couple were like, oh my fucking god, no, they can just have it, don't yeah, cut the baby the in fuck? half. So that means that the other couple were like, alright, that's fucking cool. Well, yeah, but then the good couple got the baby, right? Exactly, well, yeah, because it was obviously a parable, but, like, yeah. that still means the other parents were just like, yeah, sure, fuck it, I'll take yeah, half a baby. Call shotgun on head. Weird, anyways. Yeah. So back to the West Memphis Three. Yeah, and how Satanism affected this case. And also, people also confused atheism and Satanism, but right. atheism is well, literally... Well, Wiccan, yeah. which is what, like, yes, Damien Eccles was into, and what he's still into today, you can follow him on Instagram, and he actually does, like, I don't know necessarily necessarily if it's Wiccan, but he does, like, magic seminars? M-A- M-A-G-I-C-K? Yes. Okay. 
So anyway, so three weeks later, after the Jesse and Miss Kelly trial, which happened, like I said, February 5th, 1994, three weeks later, Damien Eccles and Jason Baldwin went to trial. And like I said, uh, Jason did not testify. You're usually not supposed to. It's not good to. It's not good to at all. It just opens you up to being able to be questioned by the defense. And if you... Or, and and like, if the defense the, is I mean, really the pros- good, I mean, which the they, prosecution. Right, and if they're good, if which they're they good, usually are. Yeah, and they and are because they're was. being paid for by the state. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really shitty shit shit. So it was all about, like, him wearing black. They were asking him, like, if he was into, like I said, occultism, Satanism, Wiccan. He's like, yeah, but I, rem- I not to interrupt you or anything, but I just remember a really compelling moment in one of those documentaries was, like, what if they'd found a Christian Bible next to them? Yeah. Would they have thought that it was Christian, a Christian murder? crime? Yeah, yeah. Christian, like, right. cult murder? You dumb so, idiots. So, I mean, there is Christian murders. Yeah, hello? Like Ten Commandment murders. Wasn't that a thing? No, Ten Commandment. The Ten Commandment killer? Yeah, that was a thing. Oh, that was a thing. Are you sure that was in the movie Seven? No, that was the Seven Deadly Sins killer. Which aren't even from the Bible. They're from, like, fucking Paradise Lost. Or... Anyway. Canterbury well, that's what it was about. The prosecution team argued that there would have been no way for Damien to have known about the genital mutilation and that he must have done it. So their whole theory was, or all they had was that he knew about that and that Miss Kelly's recanted now confession. Yeah. However, Damien's defense stated that he easily could have heard about it from news articles that were out. Also, I will talk a little bit more about this later. Um, This one woman who wrote The Devil's Knot. Yeah. She was like, a lot of like, like police were talking to a lot of the parents in the area, like John Mark Byers, who we know is, you know... A blabbermouth. The biggest of blabbermouths. And, like, it could have gotten around that that happened to someone. So it's not that crazy that he would know that information. It's a fucking small town. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's a small town that he would know that information. A bunch of people did. Yeah, and he even said in court, he's like, I think I heard it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So on March 19th, 1940... I'm sorry. Why did I put 1944? That's not when this happened. Holy fuck, did they go back and were they trialed for the Nuremberg trials? Anyways, (laughs) on March 19th, 1994, Eccles and Baldwin were found guilty of three counts of murder. Um, What's really fucked up is that, like, in all of the documentaries, like, they did not, they were so sure they weren't good. Like, Like, especially Jason, he was like, man, like, I can't even imagine, like, He's like, this is so stupid. Like, I know I'm going to be out soon. Either he was just, like, super in denial. Or just trying to be hella optimistic. Or he was super... Yeah, either way. But he was like... He's like, there's no way. He's like, when I get out, I'm going to, like, go do this, do that. Like, he did not. I think Damien was a little more, like, this could happen. I mean, he was only six... Or he was maybe 17. He was 16. Well, yeah, he was, like, 17 when they were tried. Yeah, I mean, you're dumb then. He's like, dude, I'm going to go get myself a fucking Big Mac. Yeah. So, like I said, they were found guilty of three counts of murder. The court sentenced Eccles to death because he was 18. So they were all, I'm sorry, they were all um, charged with first degree. Yes, but Eccles and Baldwin were charged with three counts of first degree, whereas Miss Kelly was charged with one count of first degree and and two two counts of second. Right. 
And like I said, Eccles was charged with death and Baldwin with life. But like Baldwin just got life. He didn't get life with 40 years like Miss Kelly did. It's weird. It's because of the second degree murder thing. It is weird. And I've had it. I've heard oh, that it. Makes ex- sense. I've heard it explained. Sentencing is weird because it, is it also weird. seems like, okay, so like when people, like how Ted Bundy just kept like getting more and more like life sentences. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, is this like just in case they come back as a zombie or vampire right. or something. Um, but it actually, I mean, it's, I think it's just because that it, they're, they're counting that conviction for that one they're, person. They still want time to be served for it. I, I guess. guess. I don't, well, maybe we'll have an episode where we talk about it a little more, where we are maybe. more understanding. So now I think we should talk about John Mark Byers. I want you to smile and blow me a kiss for this one. Uh, I could talk about John Mark Byers every day. So like I said... I would watch a reality TV show starring the Real Housewives of John Mark Byers. So all three, less so the third, but the fucking second one is completely about this dude. Which makes sense because the second movie is about this that I'm about to talk about, which is... Here, I'll just get into it. So he gave a knife as a gift to one of the cameramen filming the first Paradise Lost documentary. He was just being a cool guy. He gave him a knife. He must have liked him. He's like, hey, man, have this knife. That's like, that's basically proposing to someone in Arkansas. I guess. (laughs) Um, It was a folding hunting knife. Um, so the cameraman told the like creators of the documentary, like the directors Joe Berlinger and Bruce um, Sinofsky, who, by the way, Joe Berlinger is directing the new Ted Bundy movie with the wickedly, yeah, the wickedly, <laughs> wickedly vicious vile and absolutely disgusting, super gross. So totally when nasty. they told him about this, they were like, well, "What the fuck, dude?" So they. Then, like, talked to HBO, and HBO was like, you need to turn that fucking knife into the, yeah, uh, to the West evidence. Memphis police. Well, so they did. The knife, um, although stated by buyers that it had never been used before, had blood on it. And the blood... So buyers later then said that he was like, oh, I did use it once to go hunting. He hmm. said he went, like, buck hunting, I think. So the blood on just... the knife matched Chris Byers' blood. Whoa, he's not but a deer. He had the same blood type as a blood deer? type as John Mark Byers. Oh, who probably cut himself. So, and then he said he could have cut himself. But wait a second. They had, so they were only able to find the blood type. They weren't able to find the actual DNA. Well, yeah. Well, if it was that just if that it was that degraded, then it couldn't have been him. Well, I don't think it was him. But like I said, the second documentary is completely trying to push that it was. And so that's all it's about is him. And like he has one of the most gorgeous singing voices I've ever heard. I'm going to post videos. But he is crazy as fuck. But I love it. He's like, he's Ramona. (laughs) He's Ramona and Sonia mixed into one person. He kind of is. He literally is That's a very in-joke. So... In the second Paradise Lost documentary, like I was saying, he agrees to to take, like, a polygraph test, again, which are inadmissible at court, so they don't even matter. And he passes it, like, completely. And he, like, is like, woohoo, I'm free. But that means I didn't do they it. They found out that he had a ton of different medications that could have affected that. Like, he was on a shit ton of Xanax. 
Oh yeah, man, dude. Dude, when I take my. You're Xanax, gonna be as calm as a fucking cucumber. Oh my god, Xanax. when I take my Xanax before I drive home, and people are like getting like road rage, I'm just like, why are we all just like fighting, fighting with each other? So I was talking earlier about the book Devil's Knot, which was written by Mara Leverett. She is she's kind of like the an like an Anne Rule type. Okay. Um. Hang on, I'm trying to... How do I even write this? Is that how she was... That's all her Wikipedia page says. Okay, I got it. So, (laughs) she was saying that after the trials, the police records were a mess. To call them disorderly, this is a quote, to call them disorderly would be putting it mildly. She states that the local police force was overwhelmed by the crime and refused any, like, unsolicited offer of aid and consultations from the violent crimes experts of the Arkansas State Police, a lot of critics and herself suggest that this was because at the time West Memphis Police Department was under investigation by the Arkansas State Police for drug task force. I don't know exactly what it was about, but Leverett states that some of the physical evidence from the crime scene was stored in paper sacks from a local supermarket. Like, they were literally, like, handy foods bags. Oh, my God. And that's what they were keeping fucking evidence in. It's not as bad as uh, the Albert Fish case when the cops literally went over to the neighbor's house and asked to borrow some baskets to carry bones. up. And then they gave her back the baskets. I would have been like, I'm okay. I'm good. I'd be like, you can keep them baskets. Hey, how about you hit up a Target and get me some new ones? Thanks. Yeah. Those existed in the early 1900s. But. Anywho. Also, the crime scene was said to have been literally trampled, especially the creek bed where the bodies were found. The bodies were removed, so they were, when they were found, they were all in the water. Yes. And they, then, the police took them out of the water before a coroner got there, and also the coroner didn't get called until two hours after the bodies were found. Hmm. Yeah. And so taking Hmm. them out of the water, it, like... Degrades them quicker. Especially because they were found at, like, two. That's, like, the hottest part of the day. And it's fucking Arkansas. It's fucking Arkansas. And And it was... It was summer? No, they were No, it was, like... It was, like, March. But still... uh, I'm sorry. It was, like... No, I think it was, like, April. Yeah, it's... It's I warm. Know. I should know this. We've been Hang there on. then. It was and it's May. Warm. It was gross. It was so warm. It was hot. It, it was, was like May. Balmy. All right, so let me get back to where I was talking. People were like sweating their little buttholes off. Seriously. So original autopsy reports never mentioned that Steve Branch had what looked to be bite marks on his forehead. Ouch. So this is what another thing that was greatly covered in the documentary that it looked like he had bite marks in his forehead. And so then after that happened, all three boys submitted imprints of their teeth, none of which matched the bite marks on his head. And something else that weird that happened was Mark Byers removed his teeth. And in the documentary, he gives three different reasons why it happened. He says to like someone when he's just like talking a bunch of shit, he's like, I had to have my teeth removed because of people like fighting me and stuff. Like he like he kind of like makes it seem like maybe like he got into like a fight and then he had to have his teeth removed. Uh-huh. He then later on tells a group of people that he started taking this medicine that like caused his teeth to fall out. Okay. And then he later just said that he just like pulled them out. Okay, so I think that he feels really embarrassed about the fact that he probably just had shitty teeth because it was Arkansas? I mean, yeah. He definitely got better teeth. My dad always said growing up, Arkansas, Arkansians, people from Arkansas came up with the name for toothbrush. If it was named anywhere else, it would be Teethbrush. 
Because you're brushing your teeth, you ain't just. But you know what? You should brushing brush your one tooth. tooth. You're supposed to be specific with yeah. your teeth. Yeah, just brush one one of those puppy bed boys at a time. But I also I found that weird. But I also think like heavy drug usage, people's teeth get which he was up, a heavy drug user, and it will make them fall out. Especially also, if he was doing I haven't cocaine. Pointed out yet that so he wasn't uh, Chris Byers. Like like a biological act, biological father. father. He but he was married to his biological mother, who died like very soon after the trial, and her death was like inconclusive. And like during like the time of this documentary, like her family, what is it called? Like her autopsy was still open, so like oh. he didn't know anything about what was going on, and like there was no like there was nothing out there about like how she died. Maybe Which it is was really a, questionable. Well, maybe it was like a drug related thing, and they didn't want to like run her name through the mud when that she could had have been what it was. Yeah, a dead son. Because she was pretty young. I and, mean, people die though. I mean, people die from and, heartache. Yeah, and uh, John Mark seems like a very proud man and wouldn't yeah. want to talk like that about his. He wife. doesn't really talk about his drug use very much. Yeah, I think it's something that he definitely feels bad. But about. I mean, she was. I mean, there's just this part in the documentary where she's like. She's like, why would, like, God give me this, like, perfect little boy only for eight years? I know. That's so, so sad. The part where, like, in that one documentary you're watching, the um, Peter Jackson one, they had, like, they showed, like, in real time when the, like, families were finding out. And the one mom literally fell. If if you want to, like... If you, they show that in the third Paradise Lost movie too. Oh, they do. If you want to watch, if you want to watch these documentaries, but you don't think you can sit through two and a half hours, four different documentaries like Holly and I did. But also, honestly, if you listen to this podcast, you're like foaming at the yeah, mouth for how long. But I will say the third Paradise Lost movie sums everything up really well, and it's definitely the best one. I like it. And the the Peter Jackson... What was that one called again? Uh, it was called West, West, of, West of Memphis. West of Memphis. That one was really, really good. And it gave... M- more detail. More detail. And you more heard from mom. the families more. Yeah, you heard from the moms which, more. Which, like, is important. <laughs> but we'll be... Uh, the whole second part... The whole second act of the movie is about someone who I'm sure we will be talking about later. It's coming right up. Coming, coming right up. So in 2007, we'll be coming 2007. Okay. So this is 10 years after they were all tried. Okay. Not in like over that of how long it was. Okay. So in 2007, DNA was collected from the crime scene that was finally tested. Finally. And absolutely none of this evidence matched any of the three boys. Ooh. Obviously. So it was a hair which was consistent to that of Steve Branch's stepfather, Terry Hobbs, who I talked about earlier, who was the last one to talk to the boys as seen by neighbors. Yeah. Um, It was found tied into one of the knots of one of the boys, like, hog ties. Which I will say, as someone with a lot of hair... My hair is constantly on people. I know. Like, if like Tuesday one time was murdered, Mike, I would be the first suspect. One time Mike told me that he found one of my hairs wrapped around his ball sack. I'm so happy everyone in the world knows that now. Yeah. Coast to coast, Mike's balls had Morgan's <laughs> hair so on that, that's So uh, that's just, like, my personal opinion on why I think this isn't, like, the end-all, be-all of DNA findings. Yeah, if you live with someone... If they had been tied up with ropes and they found his hair then fuck yeah that'd be or weird or if the other little boys had his hair right but yeah it was i'm pretty sure it was found on his son's solely like, yeah i'm yeah. pretty sure 
However, after like a lot like of this came out, like hit like Terry and Pamela, who was Steve's mom, like actual mother, she and him split up pretty much as soon as this happened. She's the one who you're talking about who like fell over when she found out that yeah. her son and died. who they focus on a lot in, in the yeah. Peter Jackson. Um so she said that after the murder, she found in Terry her and her sister were like looking through his stuff and in his nightstand she found a knife that belonged to Steve that she said Stevie carried with him always that I think his real dad had given him. Oh. When he was found and like when all of his stuff was found, she was like shocked that she was like, you never found the knife. He always had that knife with him. Yeah. Especially when he was out playing, you know, yeah, little boys in, in Arkansas. Woods. That's not that weird for them to have little knives. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Boys, <laughs> little boys from Arkansas are given knives as in, like yeah. newborn babies. But she just always assumed then that the killer probably took it. Yeah. And she and said he was that also she a Boy Scout, so like she was obviously shocked that she found it like in his stuff, but she said she was more shocked because she like had conveyed that to him. She's like, How weird that they haven't found that knife yet and he never said anything about it. Oh Yeah. So she stated that her sister Jolyn McCauley had seen Terry that day of the murders washing a lot of clothes and bed linens and curtains from Steve's room. Which <gasps> in the documentary she was like Terry wasn't one to ever wash anything. Terry, So did, it was weird. Terry did not do laundry. Terry didn't do laundry. Terry specifically said in our wedding vows, I will fucking not do laundry. And Pretty I was like, fucking much. whatever, Terry. Um, so new expert testimony determined that the knife marks on the victim uh, and the injuries to Chris Byers' genitals had been the result from animals. Yeah. So all this satanic fucking bullshit of them being castrated... It was a fucking animal. Yeah. Don't go after us, Satanists. And these dudes that they had... Oh, those Satanists. Like, as, like, the fucking, like, experts. Oh, I hate that dude. No, you like them. Wait, it was no. the dude from the... Oh, no, those guys. No, I thought you meant the one dude who looks like Herman Munster, who, like, claimed that he was, like, a satanic occultist, like, no, guru. Not. He no, matter. those dudes were my fave fucking... Yeah, so they... they so this, oh. this case, and, like, Damien Echols literally said this, he was like, if this case hadn't become, like, a fucking documentary on HBO and it hadn't gotten, like all of this notoriety and all these people creating groups and also, like, celebrities having, like, opinions. Oh, my like, God. He's Eddie like, Vedder. I would be another fucking kid just thrown down the gunner and I would be dead right now. Imagine, I know. He's like, because this shit happens all the time. And I lo- that was another one I liked of West of Memphis, how they showed Henry Rollins and they showed Eddie Vedder and, mm-hmm. like, how, and, like, how much they stand up for How him. much they did. And, and they, like, Johnny Depp, even though he's kind of a bag of shit. Yeah, he's a bag of shit, but at least he cared about... At least about, he's trying. Yeah, he, like, trying. Well, because they were all just like, uh, that could have been me. Exactly. I was the weird kid in my small town who wore black and, like, liked... Mm-hmm like, weird shit. Like, when I was little, I was super into, like, fucking fairies and dragons and demons. Oh, my God. But, like, our parents were super religious, and we weren't allowed to wear black or, like, any of that shit. we weren't allowed to wear black ever. I remember... Our parents would not let us buy black clothes. I know you hate that I'm going off on tangents right now, but shout out to when you talked about Smokey last week. I remember (laughs) I had wanted to call him Magic, because he looked like... Smoked like magic. And Mom was like, No. To be fair, I did want to spell it M-A-G-I-C-K, and I like... You should buy a cat. I'm just kidding. You're highly allergic. Oh my god, you guys, I am so allergic to cats. 
So, like we said, like, these dudes that they had gotten, it was like, who did you, you said the one guy it's, worked it's on, Warner like. Warner Spitz, he literally worked on. One of the, the guys was who, like, helped get Ted Bundy. Yeah, one of the guys who was helped get Ted Bundy, one of the guys who, um, is, like, who the TV series Mindhunter is based off of. Yeah. And one of them is, uh, Werner Spitz, who was, he's a forensic pathologist, he was part of the JFK assassination. He was part of yeah, the Martin dude. Luther King assassination. And he was the one that was like, these are animal scratches on their head. They're not bite marks. Yeah. And he they're not. He was in John Bonet. He was in uh, Casey Anthony. He was in so many. Right. Like, what? Like, he, he has good credits to his name. Yeah, for sure. Like, these dudes know what the fuck they're talking about. And so this was in the circuit court trial, right? With that they were discussing... The... Well, what this proves is that all of the evidence that they have is fucking wrong. Oh, so it was because an evidentiary they, his, hearing. Because, like, Jesse said he watched him cut his penis off, which did not happen. He also said that um, he watched them die there, which clearly also, as, like, all of this, like, expert testimony came out, they were like, there's no way this murder happened, happened there. Yeah, their bodies, bodies were moved. Were moved. And, and so this also just, like, one of their biggest things was, like, how would you know his penis was cut off if you didn't do it? Well, his penis wasn't cut. Like, the murderer wouldn't know the penis was cut off. Oh, Because he shit. didn't do it, and it didn't happen until afterwards. Fuck. Yeah, it was a raccoon. Yeah. So, in July of 2008, it was revealed that Kent Arnold, the jury foreman on the Eccles-Baldwin trial... So, a jury foreman is basically just, like, the head of the jury. Yeah. It's kind of pointless. It's a, like, weird position. So, basically, he was discussing the case with an attorney prior to this. So, in the documentary, the attorney isn't allowed to talk about it. No. But his, like, assistant talks about it. And she says, like, this dude knew about the trial before. He was like, I want to get on this trial. How do I get on this trial? And the guy was like, well, you're not going to be able to. You know too much about it. And he was like, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll lie. And so he lied. And then he got as the fucking foreman. Wow. And he already had in his head that he wanted them to be guilty and that he was going to force the jury to make it guilty. Yeah, that's really yeah. fucked up. Because, like, they're supposed to go over that shit and, like... For him to have lied that yeah. much, like, he should go to jail. So he wasn't on... He was lying, though. ...the Miss yeah. um, Kelly case, though. So he was just on the Eccles and Baldwin trial. Mm. And so he was also, like, sharing inadmissible evidence with other jurors. Like, evidence they what? weren't allowed to know. Yeah. Um, that's... They should have had a fucking mistrial. I know. Well, this didn't Ugh. come out until 2008, oh, over fuck. 10 years after the trial. You can still get a mistrial. Yeah, which is kind of not really actually at all what happens. Right. So from 2007 to about 2010, requests for retrial started happening, and they were always fucking... Oh, of course. Always denied by motherfucking the asshole judge. circuit court judge David Burnett, who yep. was the judge for both cases. Yeah, that's usually why they always get turned down, because it's the same fucking judge, and he's gonna not gonna change his mind. Yeah. So, in... So, after that happens, they just move on up. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Moving so, in November up. of 2010, the Arkansas Supreme Court ordered a lower judge to consider whether the evidence was enough to exonerate the three men. Um, so at this point, they've all been in jail for about 18 years. 18 years. 18 years in Azkaban! They were also instructed to examine the claims of misconduct by the jurors, as well as, like, all of the, like, stupid non-evidence. Yeah. 
So after weeks of negotiations, on August 19th of 2011, Damien Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly were released from prison. Yeah, baby! So they all... This is what fucking sucks. Like, it's amazing that they all got out, but, like, they don't even get to technically get out as... Free men. No, they're free, but they're not innocent men. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. In the eyes of the court, at least. But I do think that that Alfred... Plea yeah, so awesome. let me talk about that. So the plea deal that they took, which would make the hearing unnecessary, so they don't even go into another hearing, um, it will, like you said, is called the Alfred plea deal, which allows defendants to plead guilty while still maintaining that they are innocent. And so in court, they're all like, I am fully innocent, but I am, I am, like, what they say is they're like, I'm completely innocent, I did not do this, however, I am pleading guilty to this Alfred plea. Yeah. So it's not necessarily saying I'm pleading guilty to this case, it's saying I'm pleading guilty to this plea deal I'm getting. It's like acknowledging that the prosecution has all of this evidence against me, Mm -hmm. and I see that, but I'm still innocent. Right. So Stephen Braga was the guy I was telling you about, I think I told you I didn't tell the podcast, he was the attorney who took the case for Eccles. Um, pro fucking Bono, which I always just think is so lit. You know who was also pro Bono? Bono. Damien. Because he liked you too. <laughs> Shut up! He was pro Bono. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I win the world! <laughs> so, the original champions. charges were vacated, including the capital murder convictions, because only Eccles and Baldwin got capital murder convictions. But, oh, well, that's good. To have yeah. them vacated, that's yeah. good. And uh, ordered a new trial where they entered into the Alfred plea. Um, They were then sentenced to their time that was served, which was a total of 18 years and 78 days. So basically, Uh, they just, they were like, all right, you already, you, you did it. So they weren't able to ever charge them? Like, with, like, wrongful imprisonment because they took that Well, what sucks about this is that they aren't going to be able to get any money, which they should, from the fucking... From the police. From the police. Luckily, though, fucking Eddie Vedder says, he's like, we have set up, like, they have have money when they get out. They good to go. They're fine. Which is amazing, but, like, I mean, it's just, just to be said, like, Damien Eccles, like, was raped a lot in prison. Yeah. And his last ten years, he was in solitary confinement. Damn. Yeah, because he was on fucking death row. Wow. Uh, Ryan Ferguson uh, filed um, in civil court for the police. Yeah, well, because he actually had his thing vacated, so he can get money. Yep, and he uh, won $10 million, one for each year he had to spend in prison. Because that's like, wow, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, Well, that's like with... um, the fucking Stephen Avery thing, like, his first conviction, he got, like, what, like, $2 million or something crazy for the, like, f- the rape conviction that mm-hmm. happens at the beginning of the documentary. Yeah. And then that's what they were saying. They were, like, the the cops were so pissed that he got money from that that that's yeah. why they, like, wanted to get him again. Right. I think it's but amazing, though. They've all gone on to do, like, you know... Oh, my God. Miss Fucking Jesse still lives in, like, West Memphis. I saw the most beautiful picture i think ever of um of jesse sleeping on the couch with his who i'm presuming to be like his son like sleeping on his back and also i didn't say but damien had a baby before he even was tried like during trial like he was like my like when this like with dr magnery like when they were getting out he was like my son is the age i was when i went to jail 
And he's so fucking smart and honestly a babe. Yeah. And he hold he held up. There was like a really beautiful part too where like uh Jason was like, I'm not fucking taking this Alfred plea. Like we are not guilty. I refuse to say I'm guilty, but because Damien was like up for death, he like did it for Damien. Oh, that like part makes me cry. It was really touching. Because then they also talked about like how they were always best friends and how like Jason would always do anything for Yeah, like he was he just thought Damien was really fucking cool. And he's wasn't wrong and now fucking I think um is Jason, Jason moved to Seattle. Jason is like I think uh, Eddie Vedder was like, You should fucking move to Seattle, man, and he was like, Kay. Uh, Jason, I think, runs a Fortune 500 I think they're all married. Damien got married in jail. And she's a badass. And she's a bad. I should have talked about her more. Yeah, she you should have. She was so helpful. Helped a lot in she the case. She helped a lot. She ba- like, they were friends. Like, she met, like, after she saw the first movie. Mm-hmm. And so she met him when he was only about 21. Thank God the fucking first movie happened. Thank God. Thank you, HBO. Seriously. Thank you, HBO Go. Thank you, HBO Now. Thank you, Home Box Office. You rock. Yeah, seriously. Please smile the rest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, can't wait for fucking Westworld. Or was that Showtime? No, that no was... that's HBO. Okay, that's HBO. But, I mean, I just think it should be said in this case that, like, actually, I have no idea where I'm going with that, so take it's that cool. out. It's cool. No, no, no. I have something to say. So last Unlocking episode, the truth. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Last week, we kept forgetting what Ryan Ferguson's show was. It's called Unlocking the Truth. Also, last week, I kept referring to the prosecutor as Kevin Crane and Kevin Kane, but it's just Crane. But I'm just bringing it to your attention. I do not apologize. He's now, like, a circuit appellate judge, and there's, like, a petition. He's, like, up for re-elect soonish so if you are in that area of missouri vote fuck no fuck no fuck no so this has a happy ending no this one also has a fucking bummer of an i ending. mean no they're fucking out and well, like dude, they're living their lives dude. what also sucks about this plea though is that like if they get into like any kind of trouble they can get put back into jail for just for 20 years for i think even just like like if one of them got like a like a dui or something probably Rewind, we have some more information. Right, I can't believe I didn't even... For some reason, I didn't have that in my notes. It was just in my brainy brain. Yeah, because we just really found that it's out recently. Right. So the, they go into this a lot in the West of Memphis documentary. Like I said, the ter- Terry Hobbs DNA was found in the shoelace. And so that was a really big thing. And then also the knife was obviously a really big thing. And also these bands became really into these but, people. And one yeah, of them was also the Dixie Chicks. The Dixie Chicks, Chicks were like really... Especially the lead singer... What's her name? Uh, Pixie Cut? Pixie Cut for 30 years now? I don't remember. She's cute. She's um, cute. But she, like, she, she just had a very big voice about, like, this case. And so fucking Terry Hobbs, he tries suing mostly her, but the Dixie Chicks for defamation of character. The other two and, like, had nothing to do with it. a bunch of his friends it. were like, yeah, he was saying he was going to get a bunch of money from the Dixie Chicks. And with doing this, he opened himself up to be able to be questioned. Yeah. Because, because when you're... In a civil trial, you have to talk. Yeah. About anything you're asked. Anything. Because you are under fucking oath. Yeah, baby. Yep. That's how they got... And okay. so if you want to watch this, which you should, this is in the... I mean, it's, it's in Paradise 3, 
Paradise Lost Three, and it's also in West of Memphis. And like he he laughs a lot, which again, like that doesn't mean anything. But his laughs look evil. They weren't little scoffies well, like and Ryan's. It's, yeah, it's it's creepy. Well, because they also talk about how he fucking shot Pamela's brother. Yeah, yeah, he didn't die, but he shot and him. He beat her. Up, he beat and her he would a laugh lot about it. And well, that like the part where really they were like, fu- "Didn't you shoot him?" He like starts laughing, and they're like, "Do you think it's funny that you shot him?" And he's like, "No, I just think it's dumb. I have to keep talking about it." And it's like, "Well, maybe you shouldn't have fucking shot him, dumb dumb." Yeah, you fucking idiot. And like, yeah, like he like would hit her a lot. And also, they said that he hit Stevie a lot, and they and talk that he about was her mean. daughter. Stevie had a younger sister, yeah. And so, and she, I don't, I'm not. Gonna I would say assume her now name. she's probably like 23 or something. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say her name because well, she's in West of Memphis. Yeah, but her I, name's but I don't, it. I don't remember it. But yeah. um, she uh, was like actually Terry Hobbs' son, and like Stevie would always tell his mom like. I don't like, think he loves me. I don't me. think he loves me as much. Because, like, they were very close in age. He was such a cute They were all boy. really cute. I, I looked for, like, the cutest pictures of them. Because, yeah. like, everything else is always those, like, those. Th- those I think it's three. their school pictures probably yeah. from that year, I would guess. Which, it makes sense. But I found, like, some really... Because that's, like, probably their most current photos. I found really cute pictures of everybody, honestly. They were like, really cute I boys. got... They were really soup. cute I boys. found some really hot... Well, I found a good They one would all be, like, my age now. Nah, yeah. Yeah. No, they'd be no, my age. No, they'd be your age right now. They yeah, would literally they would be, like, be... 30. Oh, no, 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 no. They'd be way... They'd be older than me. Because if they were 8 and 93, I was only 6. Oh, right, oh, well, yeah. No, so they'd okay, be too old. They'd, so they'd be like 32 right now. You're right, yeah. Weird. We'd be like homies. No, we wouldn't. We could be homies. <laughs> Why would we be homies? Anyway, so I'm trying to think. There's so much to this case. It's a big old onion. That's why it, I'm glad we did two parts for these because there's a lot to both cases. Yeah, there was a lot more to Ryan's than I had initially thought but obviously knew yours i mean they had to fucking make four documentaries about it it's crazy how few people because like when i you know i'm constantly telling people about like what we're doing because people are like asking and i always like think that i'm gonna tell people things and they're gonna be like oh yeah but no one really knows this one oh which is odd because there's four documentaries about it that happens to me all the time and i'm just like oh is this that one of is this one of those things that i think everyone knows about but it's just me okay cool 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 forget cool 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 tight tight cool cool, tight 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 so that was the sisters groom podcast you guys we hope you liked it it's gonna be a little more lighthearted next week yeah next week we're gonna go to an oldie but a baby and if they're child deaths they're fake. They're fake. They're fake and they're Pretty for sure. a reason. Pretty sure they're fake. Um, so yeah, follow us on Instagram at the Sisters Grim Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sisters Grim Pod. Hit on us. Facebook, we're just the Sisters Grim Podcast. Our website is www.thesistersgrimpodcast. On Zango, we're at Sisters Grim. <laughs> we're Big at XXX underscore Sisters underscore Grim underscore podcast <laughs> underscore XXX. Now you have to go make that Zanga. At my fuck you if Zanga's even a thing anymore. Dude. Dude, maybe. if Zanga is a thing right now, guess who's not going to bed tonight? <laughs> Shut up. Go find my old Zangas. My God, they if were good. I find Whoa, you guys Zanga two point is here. Oh is here. Zanga. Zanga. Is that how you say it? Zanga? X A N G A? I know. It's very, very controversial. It's like GIF, GIF. Oh, I know. I heard, I've heard Zanga. 
Zongle. I've heard Zonga. God, Zanga was like my middle school. Anyways, um, so I'm gonna go start a new Zanga page. Everybody, we already gave you that name. (laughs) Love y'all. Bye. You're our trees. We are the champions.